Please turn in your Bibles to the book of, you guessed it, Ruth, chapter 2, and we will be beginning in verse 4. Last week, I shared how we will primarily be talking about three people for the rest of this book, and so two weeks ago, we talked about Naomi. I titled the message, Home is Still Home. Naomi had wandered off away from the Lord. And she had got off in a place where she shouldn't have been and she stayed way too long. But she repented. She changed her mind about sin in the world and about her Savior. And she went back home. And, and home was still home. How, how encouraging, how great that hope is for the wandering child of God that they might return. That we would pray that they would. And then last week we shared Ruth. Refreshing redeemed, relentless Ruth. How refreshing is the brand new convert who's so excited about the grace of God that you and I might be lifted up by ju just the freshness of one who has come to the Lord as Savior and on fire for the Lord. And tonight we will talk about Boaz. We will actually talk about Boaz for the next two Wednesdays. Um, I plan to go to verse 17 tonight. I believe we'll only make it to verse 9. And we're going to share the Boaz blessing, if you will. You know, Boaz is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ, a type of our Lord Jesus Christ we will see throughout this book. And so picking us up in, in the scene, the setting where we are, Ruth has not met Boaz yet, but Ruth has chosen to go with Naomi to the promised land. She has rejected all of the gods of Moab, and, and she wanted the god of Naomi. So without Naomi's invitation, Naomi was more of a hindrance than a witness. But she said, I want to go with you. I want to go to your God. And she came to the grace of the Lord, the Messiah, and she was saved. And they get to the promised land, and she wants to serve. She wants to serve Naomi. She knows that there is a time of harvest, that there is grain, that she can go and that she can do something to provide for Naomi. She wants to serve her Lord. She wants to serve her sister in Christ now, Naomi. And here she is, a Moabite girl. I'm telling you that the typical mind of an Israelite would look upon a Moabite and say that they are the lowest of the low. They are absolutely nothing of value. It was just like with uh, the Jews and the Samaritans when Jesus went to the Samaritan woman at the well and she is shocked that he is even speaking to her and he asks her for water and then he gives her living water and saves her. And now we have the, a similar situation with the way Israel might look upon the Moabites. But here this little pagan sinner girl from Moab, she is excited about the grace of God and believes that she can go out and get a meal for her and Naomi. And she is going to go out as a Moabite in the midst of Israel and she's expecting grace. She doesn't deserve it. But she's excited about the grace of God and she goes. Never define yourself 
by someone else. Never try to justify yourself in the eyes of others. You are justified in the Lord Jesus Christ. Know who you are in Him. He'll tell you who you are. And this is what we see so exciting in Ruth in her hunt for food in the grace of God. She's going to pursue the grace of God or find the grace of God. She goes out in the grace of God. So, of course, she finds the grace of God. She was looking for it. She found something she wasn't looking for, too. She was, she was just doing the will of God, and she was serving and going to get food. This, this widowed young woman. And she's not looking for, for her husband-to-be, but she finds him. She finds him in the person of Boaz. When she goes out to possibly any field to go glean, she ends up in the field of Boaz. Boaz's field is a field of grace for her. And Boaz is a type of our Lord Jesus Christ in that he has a field of grace for his children that we might be in His fold, that we might walk with Him, that we might experience the blessings of the Lord. The actions that we're going to see tonight of Boaz is going to be a beautiful picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is going to use this in Boaz to teach us about Him and all the grace that he has for us. We're going to look at the details of the works of Boaz, and they are going to parallel to the works of the Lord. So let us look first in verses 4 through 7, and let us see his work of awareness. Let's just start with verse 4 here. It says, And behold... Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. First of all, Boaz is engaged in his field. His presence is there. He is there in the midst of his field. He's aware of what's going on. He's aware of the strangers and the fatherless and the widows who come to the corners to glean of, uh, that we found in the, you know, in the law of Leviticus. And we saw it again in Deuteronomy. And, and so he's hands-on. He's hands-on in his field. And that might remind us of our Lord Jesus Christ because he is very hands-on with us in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. It says that he walketh in the midst of the golden candlesticks. You know that the Lord is in our midst tonight. And he, he, is, he is walking with us tonight. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, He hath said he will never leave us nor forsake us. Praise God for our Lord who is, who is very present. And then at the end of the Great Commission, Jesus says, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And this Boaz we have here tonight is a, is a picture that is teaching us of our Lord. He is present and he is very aware of those in his field, his servants, the reapers, those who are over the reapers, those who come along that he doesn't know. He's very aware of who is present in his field. 
And we think of Jesus, how he, he ascended to heaven. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He was raised again. He was seen on this earth by over 500 witnesses for over 40 days. And then he ascended back to the right hand of God where he intercedes for us. Jesus has gone back to heaven. He has fulfilled his mission of 33 and a half years on this earth, three and a half years of an earthly mission, and he has gone back and he is on the right hand of the Lord. You know, there are saints being ushered into heaven every day and there Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. But make no mistake about it, his presence is very much with us right now. He taught his disciples over and over in teaching them that, look, I'm going to go away, but the Comforter is going to come. And the Comforter is the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus is the Holy Spirit of God. What he was saying to his disciples is, I'm going to go away in this form, but I'm going to come again to you in another form. You know, some people long and just say, oh, I think I would be a better Christian if I was in the physical presence of Jesus. Well, Isaiah 53 says, He hath no form nor comeliness that we should desire Him. And Peter says we have a more sure word of prophecy. And we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God within you and I. We have the complete Word of God with us today. We can surely and truly walk closely with the Lord. His his presence is with us. We can. We can. And Boaz is a heavenly picture of this. He is presently, personally aware of his field and his servants just as the Lord is of you and I. He's very aware of us. But we not only see that Boaz is hands-on and he's a heavenly picture, but he's helpful. I don't really want to stray and get off on too much here. But look with me in verse 4, and I'm going to read it again. It says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The boss comes, and he says to his employees, Get to work. Well, um, he says, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Look, I know it's not all... I'm not about to try to make up a fiction situation that we can have here on earth the boss needs to get after the employees sometimes the boss has a weight of responsibility and and there's time to to clean house in in many ways maybe you know um but we see something different here i was horrible i was, i had a set of keys put in my hands in management when i was very very young and i didn't do too well i, I didn't do too well in the way i handled and ran things i i was I was wanting to be responsible for all the pressure on me, but it sure came out in the wrong way. I found my name written on a cardboard box in the back room with some certain adjectives written beside my name. And uh, so I wasn't a very good example. And, and you know, I've, I've been on the job before, and I've seen where... I mean, good, hardworking, responsible people who are working hard on Friday and they go to pick right back up on Monday and they get a meeting and they're getting threatened for their job. Produce some more numbers or you're gone. Uh, I mean, there's a need for that sometimes, but not with good, hardworking people. The motivation was the pressure that you're dangling on the edge and you're almost gone. But Boaz was not like that with his servants. 
They simply come into the presence of one another and they communicated well wishes, desire for well wishes one to another. Man, what a, what a boss Boaz was. That this is the environment. I said last week he was a respected man and a godly man. And look what we see here. And just a little something, something else here. Both Boaz and his servants know where blessings come from. They, we can desire well wishes all we want for someone, but if we don't desire them in the name of the Lord, they're not coming. I'm talking about to anybody of any religion. Only, only through Jesus Christ do blessings come. We can pray, someone can pray and pray all they want, but their, but their prayer is not going above their own, very own head if it's not in the name of the Lord. Look what Boaz knew. Look what his servants knew. What does it say here? Boaz said, the Lord be with you. And the servant said, the Lord bless thee. It's in the name of Jesus. We, we pray and we desire blessings, maybe for ourselves, maybe for the church. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm going to go ahead and pray in Jesus' name. I mean, because that's the only name by which blessings shall flow. Yeah, man, what, that, that's, that's good. Boaz is a, is a good boss in many ways. All of his servants know that these things go on only in the name of the Lord. And Boaz is like our Lord here in that he had such sweet fellowship and harmony with his servants. And Jesus Christ never causes strife. He never produces strife among his people. Pride has that job. Pride produces strife. We want to justify strife sometimes in so many ways. I've done it myself, but then I go to Proverbs and it says, only by, only by pride cometh contention. So pride is the source of our contentions and any strife that we might have. And we can't justify it. It's that sick thing that caused Lucifer to fall that he wants to see us beat up with until the Lord takes us home to heaven. He can't do anything about our salvation, but he wants to mess us up until then. And so, so we leave dissension to the credit of pride and not the Lord. Jesus binds with love. And Boaz is a picture of that. What a helpful boss Boaz is, we see here. We see that he's aware by attentiveness in verses 5 through 7. Look with me. After he greets and desires blessings upon his servants, then said Boaz unto his servant, that was over the reapers, whose damsel is this? I mean, there's probably a lot of reapers right now. I doubt Boaz is running a skeleton crew. I mean, it's harvest time, and he has reapers everywhere, and he notices something. He is personally attentive to something. And he says, who is this damsel? And he notices Ruth. Ruth simply caught the eye of Boaz. And do, you, and do you know tonight that Jesus has, you've caught Jesus' eye? You know that he, he cares for you personally and individually? Do you know that he loves you 
beyond measure? Do you know that He loves all at one time and He loves all one at a time? He loves us all together and He loves us individually. He is very personally attentive to you and I and every one of our steps and everything about us. We see that in Boaz in what he desires and has for his people and what he notices. Jesus loves us and he's personally attentive to us. But we not only see that Boaz is that, Boaz is powerfully attentive. When he asks, whose damsel is this? Then he, we see in verse 6 and 7, it says, The servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Boaz is powerfully attentive because you understand he hasn't exchanged pleasantries with Ruth yet. They haven't spoke yet, though he knows her past. He knows her present and he knows the pledge that she had made that had her gleaning all day long before they ever spoke. And do you know that Jesus knows everything about us? He knows every single thing about us. When Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost, when he saved you, he knew everything about you. He knew everything that there was to be about you. There are no surprises with him. Corey has said a few times, if you knew everything about me, you wouldn't listen to me preach. And if I knew everything about you, I wouldn't bother preaching to you. But, but, but how about this? Jesus Christ knows every single little detail about you and I. He knows every fault. He knows every error. He knows every time we miss the mark. He knows every trespass we've made. Yet He loves you and I. He loves you and He, when He was pursuing to save you and to draw you and when you trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, He was glad to save you and He wanted a relationship. He desired not just to save you, but to be in a close relationship knowing every single thing about you. You know, we have said in the invitation time every now and then, you know, I, I just don't know a single Christian who has ever regretted trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Well, guess what? The Lord has never regretted any soul that He has ever saved, knowing every single thing about you and I. How precious we see here the, the powerfully attentive Lord Jesus Christ we have. And we see it in the person of Boaz here. We are sinners that He has made saints. And dear friends, that is amazing grace for you and I. The great, what did we title the whole series? Grace for Ruth is grace for all. Everything we see extended to her, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that grace is for you and I as well. Well, we see a work of awareness. Boaz is very aware. 
It reminds us of our Lord who is very aware. But then we see a work of authority in verses 8 and 9. Let's go ahead and read it. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter, go not to glean, the first words to her, okay, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they, that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. If you got that, uh, a little natural thought might be, man, that was a bad first impression. A little bit controlling, this Boaz is. But when you think about it spiritually, that's not Boaz. That's not Boaz. These are words of counsel, and they're not given by a dictator. Can he be a type of deliverer? Can he be someone that would come to the rescue of someone? Boaz was very able. He had the means by which to take care of someone. He was a godly man. He wasn't trying to build a prideful empire. A horrible thing happened in a really blessed Christian ministry where, where people live and people are taken care of there. And they go to church every day and they, they work every day. And these guys get out in the field and they talk about how, how the one in charge is just on this high horse and, and he wants to be in control and he wants to be a dictator and he doesn't care whatsoever. And they just take off and they go away in their conspiracy theory about it and they end up begging to be able to come back to the one who wants to care for them. And Boaz simply wants to care for Ruth. He's encouraging her to please stay where there's stability. There is security for you. That is his desire for her. He has her very best interest in mind. He knows what could go on if she moved off away. Maybe Ruth could think about what could go on if she wandered away. Maybe she can really get that here because of what happened to her in Moab. And who knows what might happen to her if she wanders away. So out of a care for her, there's a charge to abide. He charges her that she would abide there with him. He wants her to glean in his field only and no one else's because he wants to love her. He wants to protect her. He wants to give her the very best that she could possibly have. How could we criticize Boaz when our Lord Jesus Christ charges us to abide with him? The very best thing we could do is abide with the Lord Jesus, that we would be very close to him. In John chapter 15, Jesus talks about it. He says, I'm going to read a lengthy portion of scripture, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Go with me. It says, abide in me, Jesus says, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear forth, bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, 
ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as, as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commands, and abide in his love. I tell you what, in the field with Jesus is where the best blessings are. Just a closer walk with thee. The very best blessings, the very best promises we could ever experience and have in our lives are going to come by walking closely with Jesus. And I'm afraid too many of us, too many Christians out there, they're, they're not getting the best of what they can for the Lord. There, there's, there's one foot in the field and there's one foot in the world. We come into the sanctuary, and then when we leave, so we're, we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. But sometimes that foot goes in the world, and, and, and we, get, we get some scraps of some blessings. You know, it's hard not to be blessed. Because, because the Bible says that the Lord lets it rain on the just and the unjust. So it's hard not to be blessed. People are going to go to hell blessed. But, but children of God, children of God... In the closeness of the Lord Jesus Christ, intimately with him, time alone with him, as I believe Enoch had, there are sweet blessings from the Lord there. The very best of what we could have for the Lord is found when we stay close to him. So the charge is to abide. That, that we see that in Boaz, we see the Lord in Boaz, that he charges her to abide in him and the blessings will come. And then we see not only that there's a charge to abide, which means to stay, but then we see that there's a charge to stay away. Look, what, look with me in the middle of verse 9 at what Boaz says to Ruth. Have I not charged the young men that they should not touch thee. Now, Boaz wants his servants to abide in the field, but he's charging them to stay away from the female. And that word touch there, the deep meaning of that goes into a very immoral definition and, and the depths of what this command is that provides protection for Ruth. And don't you know our Lord Jesus Christ has made provision for us? We have a world of difficulties and there's even risk in serving the Lord. But the very best place you can go is to the Lord. And there is protection with Him. There is provision with Him. Boaz is pouring out all of the care and all of the proactive work that he has done to provide the very best place that Ruth could be in. That brings about some prevention from worry. You know, 
The Bible tells us to uh, be careful for nothing, but pray about everything. In other words, not, don't worry. It's a command not to worry. I talked about that and I, about a couple of months ago, and I didn't aim for any of us to feel bad, but I probably cut it with a jagged knife rather than make an incision. Nevertheless, the charge is to not worry. And in the will of God, in the field of grace of the Lord, there is, there is prevention, there is protection, there is the proactive hand of God, and we can know that in His will, we don't have to worry. Life's going to present difficulties. There's going to be all the promises that this world shall bring tribulation to you. But Jesus says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There is a lack of worry. There is a prevention from worry in the will of God. We hate to say that worry sin because we've all worried. We've probably all worried maybe today about something. But it is sin and there's a prevention of it in the will of God. So Ruth is in a situation here. You know that it makes me think of, of people. There are people who have trust issues. You know, um, we, we, hey, look, where one of us is weak, another is strong. Where one of us is strong, another one is weak. And we don't need to play a game of, of talking about what our strengths are built up and, and against those who, who have the weaknesses in other areas. The truth is that that there are a lot of people with trust issues and it hinders a lot of things in their life. And I understand it. Maybe some people have not been through what other people have been through in life that has caused trust issues for them, okay? But I got to tell you, with a Lord like we have, as perfect and as righteous and as honest and the Lord Jesus Christ who cannot lie and He's never broken a promise, I'm going to call us all on even playing field when it comes to Him. He is wor very worthy of our trust. And, and any one of us should be able to trust Him just as easy as the other because of His perfection and because of who He is. We have a Savior we can completely trust to take care of us. We have a Savior who who lets us know, who promises that He has our well-being in mind and He can provide the best well-being that you and I could possibly have. There is nothing or no one or any amount of money or any person that is anywhere near compare to be equipped to take care of us like the Lord Jesus. Can we trust Him? Can we trust Him? Boaz just, Boaz gave her his word. And the Lord Jesus Christ has given you and I His Word. That, that's good enough for me. I have never not been able to stand on the words of my Lord Jesus Christ. I've, they've always been faithful. He's always there for all of us. There's a charge now. We're going we're gonna to wrap this up. There's a charge now to appropriate in verse 9 the end of the verse, he gives her a little more instruction and says, when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Boaz charges Ruth to go when she's in time of need to go 
to the supply that he has for her. There, there is a well of supply for her for everything that she needs. You know where I'm kind of thinking about going? The Lord Jesus Christ and the supply that we have in his field of grace. We have all that we could ever need in his field of grace. We need to live by faith and not by sight. We need to quit looking at what we don't possess and consider what we already possess by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because His grace is inexhaustible. Our needs are met in Him as we are in His field. There's a requirement to be in the will of God. When, when Naomi was off in Moab, her needs were not met. But there's a promise that in God's will, our needs are met. Every child of God has been provided with grace. This gra we have access to grace wherein we stand, Romans chapter 5 says. And we have it in our every need. Jesus has the perfect amount of everything we need. Jesus is everything that we need. Oh, the excitement of Ruth in these firsts of hers and these experiences of hers. She has gone from Moab to Bethlehem, Judah, and Boaz is showing her that life is different. That there is a difference of life in Moab and Bethlehem, Judah. There is a difference of life being consumed, being in, having our ears tuned to and our eyes tuned to this world and the will of God. The will of God, I know this is a sin-cursed earth and it's rotten and we have a sin nature until we die and go to heaven, but life is different in the will of God. You believe that tonight? You believe that tonight? Because His grace, His grace makes all the difference, that we might walk in His grace. Galatians talks about falling from grace, and there's denominations that make a really big mess out of that. That's simply the, when you study the language, what does the language say? It's the experience of God's grace. The child of God always has the grace of God. But, but the child of God is not always experiencing that grace that he or she has in the Lord. There's a difference. There's a difference. And we'll never regret it. We'll never regret walking with the Lord. We'll never regret if we can say what David said, Lord, I've trusted you from my youth. I can't say that. But, but from here forward, that, that ought to be our heart's desire of all of us. Boaz the Lord has used Boaz to teach us this, that we might see a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ in all that Boaz has done and prepared and put effort in for Ruth. The Lord Jesus Christ has done every bit of that for you and I. And enjoy His grace. Enjoy His grace and live in it. Claim His promises 
stay in the will of God. That, that's going to that's take some adjustments. That's going to take some adjustments to where maybe the ears go and the eyes go, and that's going to change where the mind goes. We need, our, we, need, we need more of Jesus. We always do. I'm not talking about a season in this moment. I'm talking about always more of Jesus. That, that's the answer for you. Now, we can't Google the answer. What we need is more of Jesus Christ. Brother John Weisenbaker, would you please close us in a word of prayer tonight, sir?